Welcome to The Green Rush, a podcast about the intersection of cannabis, the capital markets, and culture. On a weekly basis, hosts Ann Donahoe and Nick Opich of KCSA Strategic Communications speak with the business leaders, financial experts, cultural icons, legislators, and generally interesting people moving the cannabis industry forward. In this episode, Nick and Ann are talking with David Johnson, CEO of Enviric Biosciences, a patient-first biotechnology company developing rigorously tested novel cannabinoid medicines to improve quality of life for cancer patients. It's been a while since the Green Rush team has talked about CBD, so we use this opportunity to get an update on the state of the space, including how CBD is fitting into the existing medical landscape, the ways that the technology is Progressing the validation of these molecules and what the market could look like in the next several years. We also explore Enviric's business model and how they compare to other players in the space, as well as key news from the industry, including Jazz Pharmaceuticals' acquisition of GW Pharma. Now, on to our conversation with David Johnson of Enviric Biosciences. Uh, David Johnson from Enviric Biosciences, thank you so much for joining us today. We, um, you know, this podcast talks a lot about, you know, the intersection of cannabis, the capital markets and culture, but, you know, we don't always talk a lot about medical grade cannabis, CBD and research. Um, so we're kind of really excited to, to have you on. Um, and I, and I think this should be like 50% about business because you are a publicly traded company on the NASDAQ, um, under the, the ticker symbol ENVB. And, and maybe 50% about the science, if that's cool. Sounds great. Okay. So first, let's just start out with who you are. You, you know, you have this background um, in, in the pharmaceutical industry. What, what made you make the switch to Enviric? Well, first of all, Ann, thanks for having me on. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here and we'll have some fun along the way. Listen, I think the best way to describe me is I'm a lifelong life sciences guy. I worked in larger companies for many years, mostly in the biotech and medical device spaces, places like Bristol-Myers Squibb, and and grew up into becoming eventually the leader of a a $5 billion company with 10,000 employees around the world. And, 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 you know, quite frankly, I got into the life sciences space almost by accident. I stayed in the life sciences space because I'm so passionate about what companies like ours does for patients. And there's this great combination of if you if you do good things for patients, you will normally do really good things for your investors. And so I had a couple of people who were involved in what was the predecessor company, J Pharma, and about a year and a half ago came to me and said, you know, we, we have a really interesting opportunity. We need a leader to take this to the next level. And here I am. Um, I think we've come a long ways and we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit on how far we have come. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh. Go ahead, Nick. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, <laughs> let, let's explore that that mission that Enviric is going under. Because when we have talked to CBD companies, it's been very consumer-oriented. And I'm very interested in your approach because you mentioned life sciences a lot in, in what your background is. So how are you bringing that life sciences approach to what you're doing at Enviric? Yeah. So I think, you know, I always think about this in really three different ways on, on if you think about what our mission and our vision is. So you know, thing number one, we are a patient-first company 
And I'll come back to that. I think it's a really important part about how we're unique from a number of other biotech companies. Our mission is to improve the quality of life of patients who have gone through cancer therapy, but today are struggling with some very debilitating side effects of that cancer therapy. And our vision is to develop novel therapeutic drugs as a solution to look after those issues that these patients are going through. That's really who Inveric is right now. But I think it's important to talk about, you know, what I'll call three very unique parts of Inveric. Um, thing number one, this patient-first approach to the marketplace. You know, so often in the biotech world or the pharmaceutical world, people develop really exciting novel compounds or drug delivery platforms, and they evolve those and then find the most appropriate patient that those would serve. And there's some wonderful science that has been done and, and some great things done for patients over the years. We've really turned that model upside down. And we've said in this supportive care area, we think the patient comes first and will find the most scientific, therapeutic, rigorous solutions to deal with each one of these indications that we're doing. And, you know, today, and we'll talk about this a little bit more, but we can deal with that in, in combination therapies. We can deal with it in novel formulations. We can deal with it in conjugation techniques. We can deal with it with cannabinoids, which is where we're starting. But, you know, over time, if we look at something like cancer-related distress, you know, maybe cannabinoids isn't going to be the right therapeutic solution. And maybe psychedelics is an area that we need to look at and find the right solution for that. So I think thing number one that makes Inveric unique is this patient-first culture that we're going after. Thing number two is the supportive care indications themselves. So again, go back, supportive care is, these are indications where patients have had side effects of cancer therapy. And when we research this area, it's fascinating. There is very little clinical innovation in the space. The standard of care is surprisingly low, unfortunately. And these are incredibly large markets with huge unmet medical needs. And so thing number two is just where we're addressing these needs. And then finally, um, you know, for many of your biotech people out there, I, I remember hearing a statistic which always stuck with me, that if you think of all of the IND applications, the initial new drug applications that are done of new molecules, only 15 to 20% of those ever get to a commercialized state. But because we'll be using a topical drug delivery mechanism for at least a number of the indications, that segment of these INDs rises to 45%. So we have a much greater probability of success in getting these drugs to the market. So that's a little bit about who Inveric is and why I think the business model is somewhat unique to others within the space. So you're basically saying that you're not putting all of your eggs into the cannabinoid basket. You're basically saying, I want to find the best for patient care and, and a delivery system that will impact a patient's life versus backing it into a therapeutic the other way. 100%. And, and, and you know, I, I call it, you know, it's it's my Canadian background, but it gives us more shots on goal. And, and, and <laughs> Love it. Companies risk profile in our ability to both address these indications in different ways. And then the number of indications we're actually working on, that is as, as little risk kind of profile as you'll ever see in a, in a biotech environment. Are you finding that um, 
you know, you, you mentioned that there just isn't a lot of research going on. And do you think that's because the U.S. Um, is is from when it comes to cannabis, um, you know, as medicine, it's going it's going forth in a very legalization. We have to legalize it. We have to, you know, give people access to it versus like it seems like, you know, the Israelis or or the British or the Swiss are, are doing a little bit more on the science side of it. So are you finding that investors are curious as as to why you guys are taking taking this approach? Yeah, I, I listen. There's no question that the U.S. is not a leader in the space of cannabis therapy. We we know that, right? So you mentioned Israel. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm always fascinated to think that Israel had a 10 year started in 2008, a 10 year registry where they used cannabis to treat in a number of different ways. By the way, to treat so many medical indications and and that that piece of data now becomes a directive area for any company who's treating any kind of disease. Canada, you know, up north, they've been very progressive in their thinking. I I do believe that the U.S. is starting to move faster. And with our change in government, it does suggest that there could be some more progressive thinking in this space over the next four years. Let's let's build on that uh, movement of faster because you guys recently announced that you've added diverse biotech, which seems like a move that is one that's anticipating, you know, being able to expand what you're doing clinically, expand what you're doing on a research angle. Can you talk about that license agreement that you have with them? Yeah, absolutely. And listen, we're we're excited to have you know closed that transaction earlier this week, and we announced it on Wednesday morning. This is the classic example of creating another shot on goal to have a therapeutic solution to go after these supportive care indications. So what diverse bio has is an ability to conjugate molecules. And so we have licensed in five molecules, four of them in the dermatology space and one of them in the pain space. And utilizing this unique linker molecule We can put CBD together with these existing molecules and have the potential to create a new class of drug to address these specific areas. And so the science is very strong. Clearly, it's an early stage asset. But together with our current formulations and and our combination therapy, this conjugation therapy gives us a third way to win in the space. So Listen, I think it's a, a wonderful addition to our scientific arsenal as we move forward. I guess speaking about the scientific arsenal, you guys also have recently announced a partnership with, I'm going to get it, am I going to get it right? Let's see, uh, Pure Pure Form yep. Global? Yes. Um, so can you talk about that a little bit and how that... Um, <laughs> how that builds on your on your strategy moving forward? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think the best way to start is, a, is kind of a headline is, this continues to enhance our virtual organization culture. So, you know, I'm a big believer in that old line, stick to your knitting. What does Enviric Biosciences do really well? We deal with patient needs and find the best therapeutic solutions and then develop those compounds and get them to market. That, that's who we are. And so this ability to, we need a lot of other things to be able to be successful in there. One of them is to have appropriate CGMP manufacturing and a constant supply of materials for our clinical studies. And then one day for, in fact, our commercialization process. And we have worked 
with Pureform Global on a number of occasions. They, they have CGMP facilities here in the US. They have one in the United Kingdom. They're the leader in the synthesization of CBD and other cannabinoid therapies, and will continue to expand it. And we now have an exclusive in the area of our support care indications. So this is a number one, a supply agreement, which allows us to work with a world-class partner. And then number two, with their scientific rigor around these synthetic molecules, to have joint and collaborative development opportunities to work with them as we move forward down the road. So yeah, we're excited about having just another partner. It just expands that whole partnership attitude and mentality that we have. Can you talk about the, um, you know, you mentioned synthetic, um, the the philosophy behind um, synthetic versus na- versus nature made for lack of a better term um, yeah. and why it makes sense to go down um, the synthetic ra- rabbit holes, a bad word, the, the synthetic route. Yeah. Well, listen, the biggest one in the biotech world is GMP manufacturing and having having the consistency of the molecule once it's synthesized to be able to address anything that the FDA would ever look at. And so when you're thinking about developing drugs, you know, one man's opinion, I'm definitely not a scientific guru in this space, but I think many would tell you that going down the synthetic route sure is an advantageous way of going rather than the natural route for that consistency aspect. Right. Okay. I mean, that makes sense because the Tylenol I buy in Toronto is the same as the Tylenol I buy in Los Angeles, right? And having that consistency is is vital. Um, So that makes sense. You know, when you're going through a regulated industry like we do, having a quality system is, is critical to the ability to bring out pharmaceutical products. And so it's so much more efficient and effective to utilize a synthesized product than it is a natural product. Can we talk a little bit about the fact that you guys are NASDAQ listed? That's very rare at this stage for any cannabis company, a CBD company, anything like that. Can you talk about why it's important that you're on this major exchange and, and what it means for, you know, when you're talking with uh, retail investors? Yeah, yeah, 100%. So, so when I originally got involved in the company and we sat down to strategize on how most effectively we could execute on our business plan, Um, It became pretty clear that going the public route was by far and away the most effective. And and listen, the the biggest opportunity that you have being public is accessing the capital markets. And, you know, private companies can do it, but not to the same extent. And listen, we're a drug development company. This is about needing capital to execute on building drugs. And so... I think more importantly is once you've made that decision, how do you most effectively both get on to a NASDAQ exchange and then have the financial wherewithal to be able to do that? And, you know, I think we we chose a very good merger partner that had a number of things going for it financially. We closed the deal at the very end of the year, December 30th. We spun that company off into a private entity, so they have nothing to do with this anymore. We changed the name of our company to Enviric Biosciences, and we started trading on December 31st. And since then, you know, we've been able to go out and raise over $25 million of capital. We've got a balance sheet that's incredibly clean, a a capitalization table that is very clean, 
We've had good liquidity in our stock, which is always positive. So we've we've created this very strong financial base to be able to take the company to the next level and execute on our business plan. And, and that's really why you want to be in the public domain. And you guys really seem to have hit it at the right time, right? If you had tried this, you know, last year at this time, uh, do you do you ever wonder what <laughs> what would have happened? Yeah, listen, timing is everything in life. You know, it's funny, We, in some ways, though, we did. I got involved in December of 2019 in the company. Um, more consulted. I was the chairman and CEO-elect up until we became public. But um, And so we were moving along in a really positive fashion. And then, as we all know, you know, about a year ago to this day, the world stopped. And it really, what we thought where we'd be in the public markets in the first half of 20 you know, it took another six months to get there. But, you know, I am a believer that good people and good stories always finally get to where they need to be. And I think we've we've put together a really strong team. I think our story is extremely sound. And so even in tough markets, you know, it may take a little longer, but we're there. And you're right. The timing today has been extremely beneficial. Right. So, and, and I think the biggest news to have also, you know, I guess riding the wave of, of medical cannabis is, um, the news that jazz pharmaceuticals bought, um, GMP, uh, bought GW, uh, for $7.2 billion, billion with a B. Um, you know, there's a lot of movement going on in this space, a lot of M and a chatter. Um, I guess, what did you take away from, from that acquisition in terms of the validation of your, of your business? Well, I think you've said it. I mean, for me, this ability to create a validation that cannabinoidal therapies are another strong therapeutic option to deal with some very debilitating diseases, that's what it's done. It's really taken it into the mainstream. And listen, you know, I want to congratulate the G Pharma team on, on putting together a business plan, executing on it. And then their rewards are, look at the number of patients and families in this very difficult space of child epilepsy that they're being able to treat. And all of that's been rewarded by investors. And so, you know, I think it proves out three things as, as you know, you think about it. Number one, societal norms have changed. Um, I remember we were doing the research into the supportive care area. We found out that there was a study that 80% of cancer patients after their oncologists about cannabinoid therapy. I don't think that would happen 15 or 20 years ago. So there's a societal change. Um, the regulators have a larger appetite, and that's basically because there's just more good scientific rigor in the evidence today. And then finally, um, you know, I think industry has finally opened their eyes and mainstream pharma and mainstream biotech see this as an additional option to address certain indications. So you know, kudos to GW Pharma. They're our beacon. There's no reason, and Viric Biosciences can't do exactly what G Pharma has done in all of those different areas, and, and we strive to do that. I want to jump back to, to something that you mentioned at the at the top of this conversation, um, in that you guys are you know you're you're working with cannabinoids now, but you know you could look at uh, at other um, drugs to add in specifically psychedelics, and we're we're a podcast that's also um, explored that arena. So can you let us know, like, it may be too early on this, but how much have you looked into that area so far? Well, I think we have a number of advisors 
who know the space extremely well. Um, they continue to update us and advise us. We continue to, like everybody, and, and, and I think any company should be doing this, we reach out to a number of different companies, academic institutions to stay abreast of the different therapeutic options. And again, you know, Nick, I go back to my first comment, which is we're patient first. So how do we, as we look at, you know, today we're going after dermatitis based on radiation therapy. We're going after peripheral neuropathy and chemo-induced therapy. But we also know there needs to be better solutions in nausea and vomiting and pain and cancer-related distress. And so when you look at cancer-related distress, you know, it is possible. I think there would be some strong scientific evidence that THC may be something that over time could be an interesting option. But the is I don't think there's any appetite from the regulators to look at THC for a, for, for a long period of time. And so you say, what else could deal with cancer-related stress? And that's where you go straight into the psychedelic area. So, so the answer is, it's definitely on our radar screen. We've had lots of discussions with a lot of people. I don't believe we're going to start from scratch this is another example we often talk about. We'll have some great internal development programs and we'll continue to look for targeted business development options that could enhance uh, our solutions for our patients. And I think that's where psychedelics come in if we were to move in that direction. You mentioned that you don't think that there's an appetite um, for, you know, THC in this research at this particular moment in time. Um and I know a number of people, just anic data, right? Like a number of people who, um, who I know who have had, you know, everything from, from cancer to, um, to neuropathy to sleeplessness, um, you know, have used cannabis in a medical form for that, which has THC in it. And they're kind of flying blind. They're trying to figure out what works for them, um, and what doesn't work for them. Um, can you, look into your crystal ball and see what does the, the medical cannabis landscape look like five years from now? Yeah, I sure can. Um, you know, it's interesting. I think you almost have to take a step back and look at what are the catalysts for this? And some of them we've talked about, right? So, so number one is what's the political environment and the attitude from politicians and, and how quickly will we see legal reform in this space? You know, in a place like Canada, in a place like Israel, we've seen it. We've seen it happen quickly. In the U.S., it's been much slower. It's very confusing, state to state. And so, you know, the first catalyst is 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 the progressive thinking of politicians. The second is really the regulatory agencies to be on board. It's all about providing them with the evidence-based medicine that they need to make those kind of decisions, and then. You know, it really is all about the flow of capital as well for people to be able to execute on their business models. So with those catalysts, I think if you look five years from now, number one, I believe that industry consolidation will continue. Um, and not just big deals like Jazz and GW, but small deals even within the industry. I say to people, you know, as a, as a small uh, public company, we have a lot of public costs associated with our company. And so I don't think people realize that like that it's onerous. It is, it is a commitment. It is an investment and it does th those, you don't get those that back. Right. You don't. But, but here's here and would be a solution. If you found two other companies 
who would expand the offerings and the initiatives and the therapeutic solutions to those patients and eliminate that infrastructure cost of the others and have one central hub that you can manage more effectively, I actually think that may be a really big idea. So, you know, I don't want to call it a roll-up strategy. It's really looking at targeted synergistic therapeutic options, but I do believe industry consolidation will have to happen. Number two, um, I think it's going to happen as much because the investors and capital, again, one man's opinion in looking at other industries over the years, will become more targeted. You know, I remember the dot-com era. If you had dot-com at the back of your name, people invested in your company. Over time, basic fundamentals were what people started to invest. In. And while our industry has clearly evolved from, you know, the wild, wild west, I do think if you're in this space, the chances of getting capital are easier and faster. I think five years from now, you're going to be back to basic fundamentals. They're going to look at strong management teams and their ability to execute. They're going to look at therapeutic solutions, which have the greatest probability of getting to the market and, and your ability to execute on those solutions. And that's who's going to get the money in the future. And so I think targeted capital will become critical. But I do think more drugs. You know, five years from now, there will be more with cannabinoidal therapies that have gone to the market. There's no question in my mind. Yeah, I think I think you're spot on there. Like the the big change is going to be, uh, or at least the thing that I'm watching the most is how are the regulators going to and the government officials going to allow these things to be introduced? Because there's public wants these, the, the yep. patients want these, and as you know, companies like yours continue to progress in the science and, and provide these proof points for it. I think that's really what's going to catapult the rising tide for for the rest of the the industry, right? I couldn't, I couldn't agree with you more, Nick. I think that's really well put. Yeah. Well, all right. So that's why we pay him the big bucks. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, David, I want to know, you know, we have a, you joining us right now. If you're speaking to, you know, the medical community, if you're talking to investors, what are you telling them is the thing that is exciting you the most about the future for Enviric? What, what just gets you really jazzed right now, about what the company's working on? Yeah, I, I'm pretty darn excited about a lot of things right now. You know, we've come a long ways in a short period of time. And I think what we've done is we've established a base. So first of all, you have to have a strong financial base to be able to do anything in the biotech industry or, or as we all know, in any company. And so, you know, we're on the NASDAQ. We've had some very strong liquidity in our stock, much more than most companies who come out of a reverse merger would ever have. Listen, we traded on Wednesday after announcing Diverse Bio 240 million shares. At noon on Wednesday, we were the highest traded stock on NASDAQ. I mean, it's there's a lot of eyeballs on the story. They like it. And when we do good things, we're rewarded for it. And so you know, thing number one, good liquidity. We've raised over $25 million of capital, so we have money to execute on our plan. Again, unlike some of the, uh, what are some of the downsides of reverse mergers, we have an incredibly strong balance sheet, no debt and, and good cash, and, and our cap table is extremely clean. So we've created a very strong ability to have a financial bearing to move forward. Number two, 
as I said before, these are large markets with unmet medical needs, and we have multiple ways to win, both innovative scientific therapeutic solutions in the indications, and then a number of solutions or a number of indications to be able to deal with. And so lots of ways to win and fast, affordable paths to commercialization, unlike a lot of other biotech. And then last, I always get most excited about the people. Um, you know, I've had some, I've been lucky enough to have some great successes over the years, and it's never been without having an incredibly smart, passionate, committed group of people. And we've built a, a management team who's been incredibly successful within the space, both cannabis and in biotech. I think over 100 years of experience. That's our leadership team. You add in our board who we've been leveraging for their knowledge, their expertise, and their networks. And then our scientific advisory board who, you know, we have two people who are world-class researchers and two oncology clinicians who together with our board and our leadership team, we continue to, I think, make well-advised decisions moving forward. So financial strength, really exciting clinical options. We should have two of our initiatives into the clinic by the end of 2021. That's pretty darn exciting when you think of a young biotech firm coming forward. So we're excited about an awful lot, but I think those are the three that I point out. That's awesome. Well, we definitely can feel your excitement. So I feel uh, I'm, I'm excited for you and we can't wait to, to see where you guys go. The last question we'll ask you is we ask every, uh, every guest we have is um, if you, so you're in Florida, right? So if you had to open up the Miami Herald tomorrow, what's your dream headline for cannabis on the front page or the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal, pick whatever one you want. But what's the story that's not being told about this industry? And, and what would be the dream headline for you? Well, you know, I may answer it a little differently, because for me, the dream headline happened just a month ago with the announcement of Jazz buying GW. I don't think there can be a better validation when somebody pays $7 billion for a group of assets you don't do that, given the credibility of jazz, if you don't think this is doing great things for patients already, that there's a pipeline of, of more therapies that's going to do even bigger and greater things, and that you can grow this platform into something even larger. So that tells me good things for patients, good things for investors. It gets on the headlines and showing regulators and politicians all the good things. I think we need more of those to demonstrate the validity. And, and so to me, in some ways, for today, the dream headline happened just a month ago. I, I think you're spot on there. Good things for patients, good things for investors, and good things for regulators is, is what everyone wants to see right now. So exactly right. Um, David Johnson from Enviric Biosciences, thank you so much for joining us. This has been a great conversation about medical cannabis. You know, we're very excited to to follow your company and we'd love to have you on to, to talk about uh, just what's progressing in this industry in a, in a couple months from now. That's great. Well, listen, I appreciate the time. Uh, thanks, Ann. Thanks, Nick. It was a lot of fun. A special thanks to David Johnson, CEO of Enviric Biosciences. You can learn more about uh, his company and the research that they're doing with medical cannabis at www.enviric.com. As always, thank you so much for listening to The Green Rush. If you want to chat with Ann or I, you can find us on Twitter at the handle at the underscore Green Rush or on Instagram at the Green Rush underscore podcast. 
or drop us an email at greenrush at kcsa.com. We're always looking for feedback and guest ideas and just, you know, any kind of notes that you want to send us. We're always, we're always open to hearing from fans and, uh, don't forget to subscribe to the green rush newsletter and also to hit that subscribe button in your favorite podcatcher. That's one take Shay. One take.